Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast series. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today we are going to talk about bad trainer behavior, or in other words, your clients might fire you if. So, you know, last week I talked about dealing with difficult clients. And so this week I thought, hey, why not turn the tables? And I think this isn't to call any of us out or to point fingers. It's really just kind of a gentle reminder and a self-check that sometimes we have to uh, put our feelers out there on what clients say about bad trainer behavior. And in fact, I reached out to some friends and colleagues and clients and asked them what their thoughts were. Just like last week, I reached out to colleagues colleagues to ask about difficult client behavior. So today I have some difficult trainer behavior that I'm going to share with you. And just a gentle reminder of what I think clients come to us for and what we might want to think about is terms of best offerings. So number one, the go hard or go home trainer who focuses on intensity versus quality of movement, right? So the trainer who is all about the, um, you know what, go hard, go home. Um, if you're not dying, you're not working hard enough. So I had a colleague share with me recently that she came back to training after two weeks because she had been in a pretty severe car accident. And when she left, she vomited and then she spent the rest of the night curled up in pain. And she said that her trainer very much subscribes to the, you know, no pain, no gain philosophy. And her and I just had a little talk about that and how, you know, maybe that's not so much the way that we need to approach our training. So, you know what, it's the whole, if you're not sore, you're not working hard enough. And I think that most of us know that that's just not the way, that's not best protocols for training. We know that that is not true. And that's probably not the way that we engage with our clients. So I have a few thoughts on this though. A, I think that clients come to us to become, to be motivated. They client, they come to us because they want sound education. They come to us because they want to learn about form and technique and all of the different training variables that they don't understand how to do on their own. They want to get results. And I know they may not, you know, forthright come to us and say, hey, I want to be educated. They probably come to us with things like, I want to lose weight. But at the end of the day, we all know that if a client really wants to lose weight, all they probably have to do is change their diet, at, right? That's kind of the dirty, dark secret. But when they come to us, they get a lot of added benefits. That's where they get the education. That's when they get the sound training protocols. And that's when we make sure that they align the training with their goals, right? So we can change their lives. And, and I hope that that's our forefront mission when they're coming to us for training. And then B, uh, we can teach that exercise doesn't have to be painful in order to be effective. In fact, it shouldn't be. Sure, once in a while, our clients are going to be sore. They might do some exercise that they hadn't done in a long period of time, or they might push themselves a little bit harder. But that is not the the. Uh, you know, prototypical, like unless you're sore, then you didn't do a good training session. We know that that's just not true. We know that it's about daily functioning and good health inside and out, not hurting people because it's really about safety and effectiveness. So number two, the other type of trainer that I think is just kind of bad trainer behavior is the disengaged, you're keeping me from more important things trainer. So this might be the trainer that speaks volumes with their body language, the um, trainer who <clears throat> checks their phone 
or they, uh, they check out other members as they're walking by, or they're generally just kind of looking around the gym or distracted by other things going on. Maybe they're looking at their Apple watch. I don't know, maybe they're checking social media. I hope not, but really it's about respecting that we are training clients and we should be respecting their time. We should be respecting their monetary investment. We should be respecting their body and making sure that safety is at the forefront. But what it boils down to here is I think that the way that we look disengaged and sometimes we don't even realize it is that our body language speaks volumes. And really our goal is to create congruency between the words that come out of our mouths and what our body is showing to our clients. So some of the typical body language things that I think we should be aware of is arms crossed. You know, it seems like such kind of a comfortable way to stand, but arms crossed can come across as kind of defensive or closed off, like we just are kind of distanced from our clients or not open to them. Um, not making eye contact, because we know that eye contact is a big thing to promote that we are confident. And it's also a big trust thing. When people make eye contact with us, we tend to uh, we tend to develop trust in in them, what they're saying. And we're watching, you know, that as a true sign of, of body language authenticity, right? Um, leaning against a wall or a machine, just kind of looking kind of sluggish, kind of tired. Gee, I'm just too tired just to stand up straight and walk around and check your posture from all different angles. Um, watching the clock, not even realizing sometimes that we're doing that, or maybe looking in the mirror. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we have clients sometimes face the mirror and they're looking at themselves in the mirror. And maybe we're standing behind them. And the next thing you know, we're looking in the mirror, we're checking out our hair or whatever it might be. And that's just kind of a distracted, disengaged behavior that I think clients notice. And it also gives the sense that we're not as trustworthy or we're not as in the session as they would like us to be. We're there in body, but we're not there in spirit. So that's the disengaged trainer. Number three, how about the trainer who is personal, but maybe not so much professional? So I think the thing that I was thinking with this one and the thing that was brought to my attention by a lot of different people was the trainer who tries to be your friend. I know even my daughter went to a trainer who was her age and started talking to her about going out and then started asking her if she wanted to go out with her and they could join a group of friends. And I was like, you know, I'm not so sure that I think that um, that's a great idea. And I know that a lot of trainers would probably take me to task on this and say, you know, I'm friends with my clients. And, and so I'm sure that it works in a lot of situations, but to me, it's kind of dicey. It's kind of like trying to do business with family. If something gets said socially or something happens socially, it comes into the professional relationship. And then you not only maybe lose a friend, but you lose a client. So a couple of things also that I want to say about that is, a too much side conversation. So a lot of times if we are very close to a client and they become our friend, it gets really hard to keep a boundary between this is when we're going to talk about going out and this is when we're going to talk about sweating and you, you know, you doing what I need you to do as far as wanting to get results. Um, and also, you know, gossip and all that other kind of stuff kind of erodes professional uh, professionalism in the training in the training session. And then B, um, a lot of times I think that that leads to trainers oversharing. 
And last week I talked about how, you know, really I think that clients want this space and this time to talk about them. And unless they really invite for us to share about ourselves and our lives, I don't really think that there's space or room for that in the training session. Remembering that they're our client, not our friend. So, and I just want to introduce myself again. I'm Angie Miller. I'm an NASM master instructor, and I am talking about difficult trainer behaviors. Those behaviors that may, might want to make your clients say, I think it's time to find a new trainer. Okay. So number four, trainers who don't educate, they tell you what to do, but they don't tell you why you're doing it. And so these clients, unfortunately, when they go to a trainer like this, they miss out on the value of exercise. They, they never grow that understanding of, of human movement, not just why we're doing a squat, but or not just how to do a squat, but why it's important to execute the squat that way. They miss out on the opportunity to educate them on form and alignment and posture and integrity of movement and teach them all the nuances of human movement and how to execute it properly, how to avoid injury and why all of those things matter, right? So I have a couple of thoughts on that. I was thinking, I wonder why some trainers would stay away from too much education. And I know I've had trainers in the past say, well, I don't want to over talk my clients. I don't want to throw a bunch of science at them. You know, they're not interested in that. And here's what I say to that. I don't think that we need to over talk anybody. I think that we can use layman's terms, everyday terms. We can talk about how it impacts their life and their lifestyle and how it's very functional for the way that they move and the things that they do on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't think that we have to throw a bunch of science at them. We could just use real life examples. B, I think um, that some trainers maybe just want clients to believe that they're the secret sauce. They have the secret sauce to getting this client fit, and that's why the client needs to keep coming back to them. But I really believe in empowering our clients and, and not you know misguiding them and thinking that we do have the secret sauce. Yes, we are going to educate them, and yes, we are going to get them toward their goals. But you know what? Um, obviously, the more we educate them and empower them, the more that they do are successful outside of the training sessions, right? The more motivated they are to eat healthfully, to pay attention to all the hours that they're not with us. Um, and also, I think that empowered clients take an active role in the training process. Empowered clients don't just put it on our shoulders to be successful. Empowered clients take an active role and they say, you know what, I have responsibility. I've got some skin in the game, okay? So number five, trainers who don't offer takeaways, tools, tips, and even homework outside of the session. So again, clients might only be with us one or two hours a week. That means there's 166 other hours that they're not with us. They need guidance, they need support, they need some tools and takeaways for those other hours that they're not with us so that they can stay inspired throughout the week. So A, I always, you know, I really believe in articles, information, sending them to helpful podcasts, knowing what their struggles and their pain points are. So if we have a client who struggles with emotional eating, there's some great podcasts and information out there on that. We can offer simple nutrition guidance and we can still stay in our lane and offer simple nutrition guidance. We can give them some workouts and some tips to do on the off days. 
B, we can talk about stress. We can talk about sleep, those S words. We can talk about healthy emotions to make sure that clients are paying attention to all the other extra things that go along with being healthy, not just exercising. And then C, we can remember that positive feedback makes the difference. And I talked about this last week, how much we as human beings are so driven by positive feedback, how much it can really make or break our day when somebody tells us something positive. And so, you know, that could be expiration throughout the week. It could be weekly emails to our clients where we send information and articles. It could be um, sending them graphs and charts of their progress. It's just anything we can send to keep them inspired and help keep them on track, okay? So number six, trainers who program on the spot. What? I know. You know, we all get busy and sometimes it could be that we didn't put the amount of time and investment into a particular um, training session that we would have liked. But without a plan and without a long-term plan, you know, without this systematic progressive programming that is aligned to our clients' goals, we're really doing our clients a disservice. And I, a few thoughts about this is that, A, I think that trainers who train on the spot often default to what they know best. So if they're really attached to a certain type of exercise, they probably default to that, even if it isn't in their client's best interest. Um, and it, it ends up being random and kind of disheveled programming. And it, it never is really um, progressive programming toward the client's goals. B, I think that trainers who train on the spot aren't doing a good job of documenting and really properly holding themselves accountable for getting the clients to where they want to be. Uh, we need to plan, we need to record, we need to adapt. We need to be true to our clients' goals, be able to show them their progress. And we need to be transparent, right? Because there's a difference between just helping a client get a workout in and then helping a client actually get to a destination. Otherwise, it's like we get behind the wheel of the car every week, but we really never know exactly where we're going. All right. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. And we are talking about trainers who engage in maybe some not so helpful behaviors and clients who maybe might want to move right along if we don't consider these as things that we might want to change or adapt. So a few other takeaways that I think we could consider is number one, I think that it's very important that we keep learning, right? We keep learning, we keep growing, we keep educating ourselves. I always say that the more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know, how much information is out there and how much more learning there is, how many more certifications and and articles and ways that we can grow our trade and our expertise. And that's all information that we can share with our client. And not to mention it builds inspiration for us, which then in turn inspires our clients, right? Number two, I think remember the power of words. This is just another takeaway that I, I kind of like to leave everybody with. I think, you know, words matter, especially when we coach and cue. So we really, really want to make sure that we avoid any type of body shaming. And I would even go so far as trying to avoid making exercise about size or weight and instead making it about heart health exercise, making it about bone density, mitigating pain, um, healthy movement patterns, applying it to daily functioning, motivating using words that empower versus demoralizing. 
And I think that we've probably all run across a trainer or two who uses kind of body shaming as a way to motivate. And I, I just don't think that that's a good thing for anybody's mental space, okay? And then number three, avoid running in at the last minute or right on time or engaging in some of these other less than professional behaviors. So trying to dress the part, speak professionally, avoid complaining about the gym where you work, or again, avoid oversharing. And maybe, you know what, maybe we could say, well, they're easygoing, but how about, you know, there's, there's a fine line between being easygoing and, and unprofessional. So those are some of the trader behaviors that I think are probably less than desirable. And last week, again, we talked about dealing with difficult clients. So this week, I wanted to turn the tables, share some less than desirable trainer behaviors. I'm sure that there are a ton more out there. And if there are, I hope you'll share it in the chat. So again, I'm Angie Miller. Thanks for joining us on the Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week.